Hi everyone, it's Mr. Perez, and today you're listening to episode two of my new series called Walking Talking Mocks. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you gain something from listening to this episode. In this series, I hope to give you an insight into how to successfully tackle exam papers, including how to break down questions, plan responses, and write excellent answers. This isn't necessarily about completing the exam together, although you can of course pause the episode and attempt every question before or after I've gone over it. But it's more about me sharing tips and guidance with you to help you with this and future exam papers. I'm also not necessarily going to share the correct answers. In fact, I will try not to. As a teacher myself, I'm well aware that your teacher may want to use this exam in an upcoming mock. I want you to be able to succeed in that mock of your own accord, not just copy my answers, because that won't work, believe me. Firstly, though, some housekeeping. It's probably best if you listen to this with the exam paper printed in front of you. Printed as opposed to online. I'll be asking you to write some things on or around questions themselves, so it's just probably easier this way. To that end, I would also advise that you have some different colour pens and a highlighter by your side. You'll find all the papers I refer to on AQA's website. You just need to type into Google AQA GCSE Geography, and on the first page that appears, you're going to want to go to the Assessment Resources section, and here you'll find today's paper. In this episode, I will cover 2020 Paper 1. This is Part 1, so I'll cover the Challenge of Natural Hazards section. Part two will cover the living world and part three finishes up with coastal landscapes and river landscapes. Okay, with pens and highlighters at the ready, let's start. Question 1.1 is a multiple choice question which tests AO1, which is your knowledge. It asks, which of the following statements is true? My advice here, as always, is to work through a process of elimination. Read the question, but then immediately start reading the statements. Start with A. Is A correct? If you think it is, then place a small tick next to it. You've not come to your final decision yet. You're only on A. Then do B, C and D respectively. You should then be left with only one statement which you've ticked because you've checked and the others are obviously wrong. That being said, there are some ones which are not bleedingly obvious, so don't expect that too often. Sometimes they're wrong, but not really, really obviously wrong. Question 1.2 is a calculation question. An early reminder that you can and should bring a calculator to every single one of your geography exams. It's not a matter of, can I work this out in my head? More, why would I bother to work it out in my head when a calculator can do it for me? This question asks you to calculate the percentage of the total number of typhoons occurring in August. You have to show you're working here, so take inspiration from Maths GCSE, where this is pretty much the standard, and do the same. Finally, give your answer to the nearest whole percentage, so follow the rules of rounding up or rounding down as appropriate. Question 1.3 asks you to give one reason why tropical storms have a seasonal pattern. This first takes knowing what seasonal actually means. In this context, it refers to the fact that hurricanes happen during certain seasons, which you should know to be a particular time of the year marked by a particular type of weather, e.g. summer. For this, I'll give you a clue. Think about your answer to 1.1. And also think about the ingredients you know are needed in tropical storm formation. That should hopefully give you the answer. Question 1.4 asks you to describe the structure of the cyclone shown in figure 2. Structure is the key word here. You'll have studied the structure and features of a tropical storm in lessons. And that is relevant here. Before you answer, consider what is not being asked of you. You are not being asked about the size of the storm using the scale and you are not being asked for an explanation of the structure or for a description of the cyclone's movement. My main tip here, do not overcomplicate this. 
Just say what you see. Figure 1.5 is a six marker using a figure. Suggest why some tropical storms have severe primary and secondary effects. Use figure three and your own understanding. In my opinion, this is a gem of a question as it allows you to really show off your knowledge of how and why tropical storms have devastating primary and secondary effects. What's more is that you have a figure, which makes this even easier as you have all that extra information to play with. As always with questions of four or more marks, let's begin by using bug. So box suggest, that's the command word. I would underline why, severe, primary and secondary. You could underline figure three and tropical storms, but then you'd have underlined nearly the whole thing. And that's not the point of this. The point of underlining is to focus your brain and start the thinking process. Underlining without starting to think won't help. I know many pupils who think that highlighting almost 99% of the question will magically help. It won't. I'd say severe is probably the most important word here. For me, this is why using bug is really the maker or breaker of exam answers. The words severe and why are deceptively important here. If you spent the entire answer just outlining or describing the impacts and make no attempt to explain why they're severe, you won't be getting six out of six. It's that simple. Looking at the mark scheme, an answer which gets five or six marks has to fully explain the severity of some tropical storms. G, as always, is glance back at the question, ensuring that you use the words of the question as often as possible. I often say to my pupils that if I could only give one tip for exams, it would be to use the words of the question. My logic being that someone who uses the words of the question will, by definition, have to answer the question. My top tips here are storms like Haiyan, Sandy and Katrina can be referenced, but you don't need to. Remember, your own understanding means your own understanding of how and why tropical storms have severe primary and secondary impacts, not necessarily your own understanding, meaning knowledge of case studies. That's in fact not really what it means. Use the words of the question a lot, like I said, and that's really for me severe and why. I won't tell you why the impacts of Idai were significant or severe. You'll have to work that out for yourself, but just know that discussion of that is 100% key here. Reference to the figure at least once is really important. For example, by using the data from it to make one of your points. Finally, addressing all aspects of the question is important. So that's not just the words why and severe. It's also primary and secondary. Yes, this question now seems to be a little more complex than you first thought, perhaps. And so this is why starting by using bug is really important. You then get an appreciation of how complex the question is but on a more positive note, you get to know exactly what you need for six marks. That should do you just fine. Remember that two adequately developed points for a six marker should get you a pretty good mark. Question 1.6 is a multiple choice question that refers to the figure. It asks, which of the following statements is true? My advice here, as always, is to work through a process of elimination. Begin with A. Is A correct? If you think it is, and place a small tick next to it, and then move on to the others. By the end, you should have worked out which three were incorrect, and that should leave you with only one remaining correct answer. Question 1.7 asks you to name the type of plate margin between the Pacific and Eurasian plates. You will have studied three types of plate margin, and figure four shows one of these. What's my main and only tip here? Look at those giant arrows. That should really give you the answer quite quickly. Question 1.8 asks for one other tectonic hazard likely to occur 
near to the plate margins shown in figure 4, the one which you should have just named correctly. Remember, the earthquakes are taken. They were taken by an earlier question, so you can't mention them. Your options are basically now two other things, one which is far more obvious than the other. This might be the easiest question on the entire paper. You'll do just fine on it, I'm sure. Question 1.9 asks this. Explain how the risks of a tectonic hazard can be reduced. This is a four marker, so let's begin by using bug. Explain is clearly the command word. I would underline risks, tectonic hazard, and reduced. And by now, you should know that the G is for glance to ensure that you are answering the question and linking back to it as often as you can, you glance back at it. I'm going to repeat my early advice here. Use the words of the question. My logic again is that someone who uses the words of the question will be forced to answer the question because they're using them so often. This question is actually quite a nice chance to show off your knowledge of the three P's and the one M. You will know what those stand for if you've revised. If you don't, I suggest you look back at your notes for that. The command word is explain, as I said earlier, which requires an account of how and why one or more strategies are helpful in reducing the risks posed by a tectonic hazard. To ensure you receive full marks, you're going to want to show off two things here. One, that you know what the strategies to reduce are, and two, that you know how exactly they reduce the risk. Do that for two strategies, and you should have yourself four marks quite easily. Question 1.10 asks you to state one source of evidence for long-term climate change during the quaternary period. Now, as I've said before, I don't really recommend using bug on questions that are below four marks, but the word evidence here is really important. It's the source of evidence, not the evidence itself. That's another thing that's covered by another part of the specification, and you could quite easily confuse the two. Do not misinterpret this as a request for recent evidence for climate change. Like I said, that's another part of the specification. So if you were thinking of mentioning melting ice caps or retreating glaciers, that's not what's being asked for here. You will have studied at least two pieces of evidence probably for climate change from the beginning of the quaternary period. There is no stipulation into how many you have to look at, but I imagine at least two, if not three, four or five. Remember that you don't have to explain what they actually prove. Just state the name of the piece of evidence and move on. Question 1.11 is yet another multiple choice question right before you get to the final nine marker. It asks which of the following statements is true and again my advice remains the same. Work through a process of elimination, start with A and work your way through all the statements figuring out which three are obviously incorrect leaving one final correct answer for you to shade in the oval for. So question 112. It's the nine marker which ends this section. It also includes three marks for spelling, punctuation and grammar. It goes like this. Managing climate change involves both reducing causes, mitigation, and responding to change, adaptation. Do you agree? Explain your answer. Use figure six and your own understanding. When compared to other nine markers, which use evaluate or to what extent or assess the extent, this is actually quite a nice one. It is still a nine marker though. So evaluation is important. However, this could just be simply evaluation of the importance of both strategies and why they are important. So my top tips here are, begin by using bug, a technique you're probably very familiar with by this point. 
Then, remember, this is not a regurgitation question. In fact, very few in your exam papers are. You're not setting out to prove that you know every single mitigation and adaptation strategy in the specification. In fact, they've actually given you loads in figure six. This proves that they're not after the names of mitigation or adaptation strategies, or even how they work in practice, although that is important. What they want is an argument as to why A, mitigation is important in managing climate change, B, adaptation is important in managing climate change, and C, why they're both important together. Recently, I saw someone share this interesting analogy when it comes to mitigation and adaptation both being needed. So mitigation is kind of like learning how to drive properly to reduce car crashes. But adaptation is like wearing your seatbelt to protect yourself if there is a crash. It's unwise to do just one of them and not both. I hope that helps you formulate your argument and understand why they're actually both important. Reference to the figure here is key. Not only does it ensure that you get yourself nine marks, it's actually incredibly helpful, as you can see that it reminds you of changing agricultural systems and adjusting to rising sea levels for adaptation, as well as alternative energy production and carbon capture for mitigation. So actually, it gives you things to speak about. It will sort of spark that in your memory and therefore act like a stimulus for a great argument from you, I'm sure. Although I think that the best approach here is to sort of big up and praise both mitigation and adaptation, you can weigh up the relative value of one versus the other. If you believe mitigation needs to happen more in HICs, but adaptation more in LICs and NEs who are suffering the impacts, but not necessarily the biggest emitters of greenhouse gases, that's fine. You wouldn't be the first person in history to argue this, so don't worry, it's perfectly logical. However, most would argue that both approaches will be necessary. Uh, because even if emissions dramatically decrease in the next 20 to 30 years via mitigation, adaptation will still be needed to deal with the global changes that have already started. Right, that brings this episode to an end. Hopefully it's been helpful in covering A, exam technique for 2020's paper one section on the challenge of natural hazards, and B, some general hints and tips regarding your exams. As always, thank you for listening and best of luck.